We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. As I mentioned before, Parshat Vayichi uh, deals with the, uh, the final days of the life of the patriarch Jacob uh, and uh, then brings us uh, to uh, the point in time, the point in history in which uh, uh, Jacob uh, and ultimately Joseph uh, uh, die in Egypt. Uh, where the children of Israel have settled. It sets the stage at the end of Genesis uh, for the children of Israel dwelling in Egypt, uh, where uh, next week as we begin Parshat Shemot, the first book, the first uh, Parsha of the book of Exodus, uh, we will uh, uh, see what befalls uh, the children of Israel as they uh, sojourn in Egypt. Uh, as I was studying the Mincha today, that's true also, yes, uh, for those who are here, you'll get an early glimpse, a sneak preview of next week uh, in Shemot. Um, uh, but uh, as we approach the end of this beginning, um, and as, as I was uh, studying the Parsha and thinking about it this week, I also had the opportunity uh, to watch uh, the new uh, Netflix version of Springsteen on Broadway. Uh, this is Bruce Springsteen's Broadway show that just closed on Broadway a week or two ago, and uh they filmed uh, a setting of it for uh, a special on Netflix, uh, and it's really extraordinary, especially if you like Springsteen's music, you should watch it. Even if you don't, it's really, uh, it's really beautiful and really well done. Uh, it's, part, it's part musical and part autobiography uh, of, of uh, Springsteen's life. There's this one moment, and I don't want to spoil too much of it, but if you know anything about uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen's music and about his life, uh, uh, a lot of his music uh, relates to uh, challenges and struggles that uh, he had with his father, who was uh, something of an unstable uh, and somewhat unsupportive presence in his life. And so the, his father and his relationship with his father uh, features prominently throughout the show. And about two-thirds in, uh, he uh, is introducing uh, his song, Long Time Coming, and he tells a story of his father coming to visit him, surprising him to, in, in a visit uh, as uh, his wife is pregnant with their first child and as, he, as he's about to become a father himself. And he tells this really powerful and touching story about his father essentially coming there uh, in not so many words, because his father was not a man of, of many words, but in not so many words, uh, trying to make amends uh, for, uh, for not being as, uh, as good of a father as uh, he could and should have been uh, for Bruce Springsteen in his life. And Springsteen offers a really powerful commentary on that moment. He says that, in our children's lives, we can either be ancestors or ghosts. Those are the choices that we have. Ghosts terrify us. They haunt us. They keep us 
rooted in place. They tie us back to our past and make it impossible for us to escape it. They want us to stay in one spot, but ancestors are those that free us to walk our own path, that walk alongside of us and offer us guidance and support and love, but enable us to make our own mistakes and to forge our own direction. He said in that moment, his father, he felt, was petitioning to move from the category of ghost to ancestor. He was petitioning to be an ancestor. I thought that that was a really beautiful image, a really beautiful metaphor. And as I was reading and studying the Parsha, that kept on coming back up in my mind because it seems to me that that is the dynamic that's at play in our Parsha this morning. Jacob is about to die. uh, And uh, Jacob is a character in the Torah whose life has been haunted by the ghosts of his past. Uh, He uh, uh, is uh, haunted by a father who prefers his brother over him. He's haunted by his brother who uh, is seeking him out to kill him after stealing the birthright. Uh, There's even an interpretation of the story where he's wrestling with a mysterious figure. uh, And uh, some of the commentators say that that's actually the ghost or the uh, the, uh, ministering angel of Asav that he's wrestling with in that moment. So you see our tradition actually picking up on this imagery and, uh, and, and talking about its significance. Jacob comes by that honestly. He's in some ways carrying generational trauma. Uh, Isaac, I think, probably never recovers from, uh, from the Akedah, from the binding of Isaac. He's carrying that with him. He's holding on to the ghosts of his past, too, in the same way that Jacob is. And Jacob, um, as we see in uh, the early moments of the Joseph story, uh, has not really let go of the ghosts of his past. He ends up making the same uh, mistakes and living in some ways the same reality that his father Isaac had lived. And so it's possible to look at the last days of Jacob's life through this paradigm. And looking at it, 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 it looks like Jacob is struggling with what he is going to be to his children and grandchildren when he dies. Is he going to be a ghost or is he going to be an ancestor? Now, when he is about to die, he makes Joseph promise, and he makes the, his other sons promise that he won't be buried in Egypt, that they'll take his body and bury him in the, uh, in, uh, the cave of Machpelah, the, the tomb of the ancestors, the tomb of the patriarchs and matriarchs, uh, which is in Hebron. And it seems to me from, from that scene, what Jacob is petitioning for is to be an ancestor, to not be bound to the children of Israel in their new life, in their new journey, this new stage of their life when they're in Egypt. Let me go, he says. Let me return to the place of our ancestors where I belong. You don't have to be tied to me, tethered to me anymore. Your journey should be your own. And yet, what then he then does is he's invited to bless Joseph's children 
And in that scene of blessing, he almost does exactly what his father Isaac had done in the scene where uh, he steals Esau's birthright. He tries to bless the older one with one kind of blessing and the younger one with another kind of blessing, but he can't see very well in the same way Isaac can't. And he's deterred from being able to do that. He crosses his hands and blesses both of them simultaneously in a blessing that we're going to sing a little bit later this morning. And then he gathers all the children of Israel. He gathers all the sons and says to them, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen at the end of time. In other words, I'm going to tell you your entire future. I, your past, am going to tell you your entire future. But that doesn't end up happening. The commentaries say that in that moment, the Shrina departed from him. Divine providence departed from him. He was no longer able to predict the future, and so he blessed them in their current reality, sometimes with sharp words, rebuking words, but words of guidance for their future rather than words that would dictate what their future would become. It seems like Jacob is petitioning to be an ancestor, but living out the reality of becoming a ghost, and God is preventing him from making that mistake. And so at the end, where Jacob offers nothing but blessing to all of the children, something that his parents and grandparents couldn't do, he forges a different path. It's not the path that he's choosing. It's the path that God is guiding him on. But nevertheless, what this final moment in the Torah portion offers us, the final moment in Genesis offers us, is a paradigm for how we might do what Jacob couldn't do and God guided him to do. Joseph also approaches the end of his life in this story, and the brothers are worried after Jacob dies. Say, maybe he's going to exact revenge on us for what we did to him now that Jacob is dead. And Joseph forges a different path. Joseph says, I forgive you. You are free of that burden. I'm not holding on to it anymore, and you don't have to either. And so, yes, I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried here. You're going to be connected to me as long as you're here. When we leave this place, I want you to carry my bones with you and place me with our ancestors. Joseph is petitioning to be an ancestor, and he's actually taking the steps that enable him to become just that. To let go himself and give permission to his brothers and their children to also let go. Yesterday, I was in Atlanta for the day. I was attending the funeral of uh, a man who was like another grandfather to me, uh, Paul Finkel. Uh, sometimes I would call him Mr. Finkel. Sometimes I would call him Baba Paul. Uh, he uh, and my grandfather were uh, best friends. Uh, they would always sit together in shul. Um, sometimes uh, Paul's wife, Judy, who was, to me, I called her Bubby Judy. Um, uh, sometimes she was there. Uh, often she and my grandmother were at the beauty parlor. 
uh, on, on Shabbat. Uh, and so my grandparents who were at Shul uh, were my grandfather and uh, Baba Paul. Uh, and uh, Baba Paul, what I remember most warmly about him is uh, he was the candy man in Shul. He was David Ruby. Um, and I'm going to tell you, David, in a second how important your job is. Um, uh, because, uh, you know, in exchange for a kiss on the cheek, um, I would get a piece of candy or, or a piece of gum, whatever. And, and what that did for me in a childhood in which um, I went to a Jewish day school, but I never found Judaism particularly interesting, compelling, warm, beautiful until I was in my later years, until I was in high school. Um, those moments held me close. Those moments reminded me that there was sweetness and joy within my tradition, and it was embodied in my grandfather and in Baba Paul. And Judy, yesterday when I was at the Shiva house, told me a story that, I mean, I remember from my vantage point, uh, but I don't remember from my grandparents or their vantage point. So when I was in high school, I had a, a, a punk phase, um, and... Uh, and uh, we used to, and you know, some and friends and I, we used to like, you know, uh, hang out at the mall because there were malls back then. Um, and, um, and, you know, we would like loiter, you know, we would, uh, we would be up to no good in, in the mall and I'd have, you know, uh, and so, she, uh, Judy was telling me yesterday in Shiva that she remembers one time there's a movie theater in the mall. That was the mall that my grandparents always went to the movies, uh, Phipps Plaza in Atlanta. And, um, and they were coming out of a movie, uh, the two couples, and they saw me and a group of friends, and I was, you know, wearing, like, you know, a leather jacket and had green spiky hair and had my nails painted black and all sorts. And my, and my grandfather was, like, incredibly embarrassed that, that they didn't say hi to me uh, because he was incredibly embarrassed that, like, this was his grandson uh, there. And Paul says to him, don't be embarrassed. And don't say anything. He's going to find his own path, and he's going to make his own way. And you'll see that in a few years, this phase will be over, and he'll be something you're really proud of, and know that you're already really proud of him, but he'll become uh, even more uh, 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 emblematic of what you see in him. Uh, And if you are harsh to him now, You'll regret it later because he'll have changed, but he'll resent the harshness that you, with which you spoke to him. And he was absolutely right. So my grandfather let me be. And Paul guided him to let me be. And what I remember now, what I came back to in that time even in the midst of my punk phase, was my faith and my community and my tradition, in large part because that's where the joy was in my life. That's where the sweetness was in my life. That's where the goodness was in my life. And it was embodied by Baba Paul squeezing my cheeks, calling me Bubbala, giving me a piece of gum or candy if I gave him a kiss in shul. Sometimes squeezing my cheeks, sometimes squeezing other parts of me. (laughs) Can't do that anymore, but um, he could. 
That's what it means to be an ancestor instead of being a ghost. Is to hold out a model of goodness, kindness, and values. To love and to hold someone's hand. But not to beat them over the head to make them become what you want them to become or you wish you were. I think about that a lot now as a parent. I know many of you in this room are parents, and maybe one day others of you who are not yet will become parents. And what we're offered in our Torah portion this morning is an invitation to be ancestors to our children and not ghosts for them. Jacob wrestled and was bound and pulled back by ghosts his entire life. Were it not for divine intervention, he would have become one himself. And yet he and Joseph are able at the end of this Torah portion to be ancestors, to be the ones that we call upon in our worship, in our prayer, for guidance. Our tradition says, mitat sadikim, the death of the righteous is like life. Because through their example, through having them walk the path of life with us, not blocking us, not pulling us back, not redirecting us, but holding out a vision of what life can be and could be and might be, they are present in a way more full of life than even they had when they were alive. May we each of us merit to become ancestors to all we encounter.